0: My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company.
1: The short story, the matter of fact, is I grew up in Compton, California. I was born a Raider. I was born with the Raiders rolling in the Coliseum in LA. I was rolling with NWA, talking so straight out of Compton, rocking Raider hats. So when the opportunity came to work with Josh and Pat Graham and Dave, I jumped on them. So that's what set me up for this. I was born this way.
2: Antonio Pierce, interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Crazy day yesterday, Chris. Rolled out of bed, saw some text messages from Miles Simmons and others who work with us at PFT, and my eyes would not accept, my brain would not process what we were seeing. Big changes for the Raiders, and by the end of the day, it was Pierce, Champ Kelly, Mark Davis explaining why he did what he did, somehow tying it to the trade deadline, which makes no sense whatsoever, but not much of it makes a whole lot of sense when you consider the bigger picture. My big takeaway yesterday was simply, if you're going to import the Patriot way, you got to give it time. You got to give it time. You got to know on the way in, it's going to take time. And it's just weird that Mark Davis pulled the plug. He never should have hired Josh McDaniels if he wasn't prepared to give him time to try to replicate the bill Belichick approach to football. Yeah. Hey, no,
3: I mean, good morning. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've talked about that a ton. Remember? I mean, that was something I was beaten, beating the table for last year when people were calling for Josh McDaniels, you got to give it time. But I think also what plays into that. And, and I was shocked like you now I had had somebody that text me the night. Uh, let's see. What night was that? So that was Tuesday night basically saying was that is that right yeah tuesday night that they thought yep. josh was in trouble right that's the text i got now i took that as like uh yeah he's in trouble they lose another game or two or three or whatever maybe he's not going to make it out of the year or you know the year and the way it's going he's not going to make it you know uh, you know much into the off season as soon as the season's over so i was shocked like you when i first woke up and went what he it's a it's like official like he was in trouble like that like holy cow they they cut him or i mean they fired him already. So I was surprised and of course, yeah, I second what you say there about you know the New England way and it takes a while to build a roster and a team they wanna. I also can understand some of Mark Davis's frustrations. We talked about this on Tuesday. They're a team that's in no man's land, absolutely no man's land. It's kinda like they're kind of just good enough to they're gonna beat some of the teams they should and they're gonna get like the number twelfth pick in the draft and not really be able to get a quarterback and, and And things like that that we kind of discuss then you know I think you look at some of the moves they made on their roster all that the direction of the team and then you know just the optics of the fact that they went to the playoffs the year before he got there I mean they got lucky to get in that year if you really look at it and and who they played and the quarterbacks they played at the end of the season but either way those optics certainly went against McDaniels and uh you know you know I played for Josh I worked for Josh a little I it doesn't make me happy to see this day here that's for sure.
2: Some, some of the different theories and ideas that I've been kicking around, and Miles Simmons and I talked about it some yesterday, and I addressed it on the PFTPM podcast, and I've written items about it. Mark Davis, the common thread to 12 years of just kind of what are they doing, and he's the guy making these decisions. Who's he getting his advice from? I'd love to know. We never will know, Yeah, presumably. But I'd love to know what Tom Brady's involvement was in any of this, because this is a guy who is still waiting for final approval. Although it may never come, he may never get a chance to buy 10% of the team at a 70% discount. Owners haven't approved it yet. And I don't think they're going to, unless this deal gets redone in some way, but he's already got that relationship with Mark Davis through his involvement in the Las Vegas aces, two time WNBA champions. There's a friendship there. There's a collaboration there. I'd love to know, was a call made to Tom Brady? Did he know what was going on? Did he give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to the termination of a guy that he has a very close working relationship with and has had a lot of success with? And and on that point of Brady, you know, I said yesterday that the Patriot way possibly just doesn't work anywhere in football anymore, that you can't find a locker room full of highly talented football players who will surrender who they are, will submit to almost a little mini-military, a little mini-militia, where the coach is completely in charge and you do whatever he says, all the way down to what you will and won't say to the media. You know how just they have those guys under their thumb in New England. Like, I don't think that works anymore. And I think the only reason it worked for 20 years is because – Tom Brady was on board with it, and he was great. Without him, I don't think the Patriot way ever gets off the ground, Chris. Yeah, I I mean, he certainly helped
3: it. I know that. I mean, yeah, I I think the Patriot way... You know, the Bill Parcells way, it it takes a, a quarterback that's going to be selfless and, you know, take getting yelled at and, you know, mother effed at times and going to still have a smile and go, let's go to work and set the good example there. Yeah, it was the perfect storm of things, right? I mean, yes, uh, I think you can look at that, you know, in, in a lot of cases and go, I don't know if it would have worked if it didn't have this there. I mean, Belichick, of course, set things up. In a way that were special, and he did some great things. But yeah, they also—I mean—I think to your point, we were still kind of old school twenty years ago. The world has changed a little bit. The way the game is played is totally changed. That's where I think the Patriot way maybe has not um, lasted the test of time here into the you know the 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 twenties or this decade here. I think there's a lot that goes into that. But I, you know, Brady of course was a huge part of that. But I still think you know again. If if you're going to get into that discussion of Brady was more important than Belichick, I, I'm not going to agree with you there. But it did help a lot to have a leader like that, let alone guys that were there already from the Parcells regime that could bring that to all together, whether it was Teddy Bruschi or some of the other guys as well. I just think it all matched up at the right time. And, you know, what do they say? It's, it's uh, you know, timing is everything. And I think that was one that, that certainly fits true there.
2: I'm not saying Brady was more important than Belichick. I'm saying Belichick never gets anywhere without Brady. That none of this works without a great quarterback. And look what's happened since you've removed a great quarterback from the mix in New England. And look at the failures of all of the other Belichick lieutenants who have gone elsewhere. You don't have a great quarterback, it's not going to work. So you got to have a great quarterback who goes along with it, just like the way your dad went along with Parcells and understood Parcells was going to rip him from time to time. I think that's part of it. You have to have a guy who can play at a high level who's willing to play that role of I get ripped harder than anybody else yeah, and everybody else falls in line, yes, sir, no, sir. And, and again, it doesn't work today. My point is it never would have worked without a Tom Brady or someone like Tom Brady who helps that offense go and really holds everything else together. Not that he's more important, he's indispensable
3: yeah it I, doesn't I, work. I, I don't dis- if you don't
2: have the great quarterback.
3: I don't disagree. I mean, we could go through all of them like that right? I could go, well, I don't know if Chuck Noll and the Pittsburgh Steelers would be the same without you know Terry Bradshaw and you know I don't know what Bill, Bill, Bill Walsh would be if he didn't have Joe Montana there and do that. I mean, I, 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 I hear you there. I do. and I oh, think where? are wearing- young. What's that? What's that? Hey, Steve
2: Young. Well- they would have found somebody. Well, Montana, well, well, well I mean, yeah, I, well,
3: I you know, I I hear you there, you know, but it, like I like I've said, you know, Brady was awesome. I get that. But the first three Super Bowls, we've we've talked about this before. The game wasn't about Brady. I mean, they ran the ball and they played defense and they asked Tom to, you know, manage the game the right way. And then it grew to something else from there where it went to a whole nother level. And then Brady became, you know, more and more comfortable and they started to go, whoa, the way the rules have changed and everything like that with defense and pass interference. They went all in on the passing game. But yeah, I think, you know, to what that does too with a guy like Brady is, you know, all the other guys, whether it's Edelman's, the Welkers, those guys that are kind of made from the same cloth a little bit where it's just like we're gym rats, we're football players with all that. Brady is the perfect leader for that type of group because he was that. So, therefore, it kind of permeated through through the rest of the football team, and I think that's where, you know, it was a match made
2: in heaven. And in contrast, the guy to whom Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels pinned their hope was Jimmy Garoppolo, who – I mean, look, I, I saw somebody suggest yesterday that if they had known what was going to go on, maybe the Vikings should have called for Garoppolo to trade for him. Garoppolo, as we discussed on Tuesday, he's not mobile, he can't process, he's not accurate on a consistent basis, and he's hurt all the time. So this isn't the guy to build your team around. And that was the flaw. And I saw something that you see, I didn't. I didn't watch the clip. I apologize. That's okay. I saw. That you, on your podcast, were talking about how the draft this year was somehow instrumental in what ultimately happened. Give us the Reader's Digest version of your take in that regard. I'm curious about that. Well, I think you heard me, you know, talk about it a little bit on Tuesday. I I think I've even
3: hit it on in in a few other weeks, right, where I get back to... You know, one, yeah, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, I think you're spot on, is certainly part of why McDaniels got fired. I mean, again, as we we all know, as the NFL knows, I mean Garoppolo and the agent got over on the Raiders and McDaniel, who tr- McDaniels who trusted him, right? So that was the first little issue. But, you know, my thing is, I don't think they got Jimmy Garoppolo and were like, oh wait, we're good at quarterback, right? I think there are people around football. People I talked to there with the Raiders, you know, way before the draft, I think they thought, hey, we got options, and we're going to be able to get one of these young quarterbacks too. And I think there was a real thought of like, hey, we got Jimmy Garoppolo. He could be the bridge guy because we're going to have a guy that we're going to draft. Now, they obviously didn't get one and obviously didn't like uh, Will Levis to to take him at pick number seven. They liked the three other guys, I guess. But, you know, I think that is where – You do that type of move, and now it's, oh, no, we're stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo, who has an injury history, hasn't played as well as people think he has. He's just been on a really good football team, right? And now we're we have no future or or no bright light for the fans to look at and go whoa hey we got him coming down the pipe here and i like that quarterback with McDaniels and McDaniels is going to groom him and we saw what he did with Mac Jones and that didn't happen and i think that leads to leads us a little bit to where we are or at least a big part of it because they're just As we said Tuesday, they're in no man's land. It just doesn't seem any any way to remedy to flip this whole organization and roster over to get some some serious blue-chip talented
2: players on it. And I think you throw on top of that the fact that on Monday night, the Raiders witnessed what Jameer Gibbs has been able to do, and they could have had him. Right? They get... Who'd they they get? Who'd they draft? They They drafted drafted Tyree Wilson, the kid from
3: Texas Tech. Tyree Wilson. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right? Uh, The fact that the name is not coming to mind immediately is uh, an indictment on the fact that he really hasn't done much for the team this year. They could have had Jameer Gibbs, and they saw what Jameer Gibbs was able to do. The whole Josh Jacobs situation was mishandled. There's so many things we can point to. There really is. As if you're inclined to make a move, You can bolster the case by saying, look at this, look at this, look at this. My loose hypothesis also is, Chris, piggybacking off of your point that they were eyeing one of the young quarterbacks, I think they were hoping maybe a C.J. Stroud would slide. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, Nick Casario would get knocked wobbly by all that crap that was out there. And we know how it goes. In the NFL, if you really love a player, you say bad things about him in the hopes that he slides down to you. Maybe the Raiders were involved in all this. C.J. Stroud is going to stink talk from back in March and April aimed at getting him to fall. We all knew someone was trying to get him to fall. And right. we knew it didn't work when the Texans took him. Maybe that's who they were looking at. I don't know. Here's what Davis said to ESPN last night. I had great hopes for Josh and Dave. It just seemed we were going in the wrong direction. So with the trade deadline, I just felt it was time to make a change, time to make a move. I don't know why the trade deadline had yeah. anything to do with it. Right. I don't understand that. And this gets back to my point. And I, I'm not going to do the whole bit again, Chris, but we've been down this road before with guys like Jim Irsay, and here we are with Mark Davis, people who just happen to be in the right place at the right time with the right DNA to own a football team. No qualifications. Not fit, not objectively capable of doing it. And I spent maybe 10 minutes yesterday making the case that if Mark Davis truly loves the Raiders, he should get the hell out of the way. Either sell the team or hire somebody to operate as the owner on his behalf because he's the common thread. He's the guy who's hired all these coaches he's eventually fired. And he's the guy who conspired with John Gruden behind Jack Del Rio's back, even though they had the same agent. Still have never figured out how that worked. And if the agent's a lawyer, how's the agent not disbarred (laughs) for working behind your one client's back to get the other client the job that your first client has? That went down several years ago. Then Rich Bisaccia takes the team to the playoffs. He doesn't get it seems fair consideration for the job. He gets thrown overboard. You go out and you make the move for Josh McDaniels, and then you give up on it a season and a half in. You never should have hired him. This isn't should he have been fired. If you weren't willing to be patient with this process, you never should have hired him in the first place. Now, we don't have the benefit of what was going on behind the scenes, and maybe it really was bad behind the scenes. But you know, between the buyouts and the firings and just this idea, if this team feels lost, Ultimately, Davis is the captain of the ship, and one of the reasons it feels lost is because of him. And he's the one that's going to have to make the next hire. So, why do we have faith that he's suddenly going to make a great hire when he hasn't made one yet?
3: Yeah, no, I I mean, I I hear you there. I hear you. It's it's a it's a tough one. I mean, again, it's it is the family business. It hasn't gone well for him, right? I mean it got you know, he's he's taken over for his dad who is beyond a legend of legends when it comes to you know NFL hierarchy. So it's not an easy spot there. You know, I think cash flow has been an issue there with keeping players, whatever else, free agents. That's all been issues. And those are things too that I would go, you know, that that's not, not necessarily where that's where I'll defend Mark Davis. It's not all on him. You know, had to go- deal with a, a city that, you know, he was in the worst stadium. In NFL football, it wasn't even close. And they moved back.
2: I know. I you know. know. They so, didn't have to move back there. And I know. They didn't have to move back there. They I, could have stayed in L.A. Oh, well,
3: that was his dad, though, so that wasn't him. He didn't take part I in know. that discussion there, right? And then, so, you know, he stuck there in that spot. That certainly didn't help things out. And, like, let's not be – let's not sugarcoat it. The L.A. Coliseum – I mean, the, the Oakland Coliseum was not only the worst stadium in the NFL – it would be the worst stadium in any Division One college football team. Like, it's not even – it's a shithole, right? It was the black hole that was a shithole, all right? So that's where it's a little tough, too. Go. Okay, bam, double whammy on a Thursday morning. But, yeah, I, you know, so I, I think those things worked against him a little bit. I guess that's where I got a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for him there. But, yeah, this is, this is tough. And then the John Gruden situation, hey, it looked like he made the right hire there. You know, we can all say whether we like John Gruden or not, but yeah, John and his, well, he He was, he won
2: 22 out of 53 games. Well, they were on the way to the playoffs. He got
3: Derek Carr Carr going. That was at least working the right way. You know, it was a team that went to the playoffs. It was headed in, it looked like the right direction, except Gruden messed
2: that up. John Gruden. So we John Gruden. Yeah. John Gruden wrote Tony Dungy's defense to a championship, and he didn't do Jack Diddley shit after that. Well, His uh, record listen, I'm after not, 2002, I'm not going to Jack Diddley shit.
3: I, I'm not going to sit here and if tell we're gonna you if going to go, go s bombs today. Yeah. But, but they were headed in a, in a positive direction there. It wasn't perfect. I know that. He had his little schism with Mayock. And, of course, his big mouth got him in trouble with all the things he says behind the scenes and emails anyways. So I guess that's where I'm trying to defend Mark Davis. I understand what you're saying. I totally do. Right? I think, though, when you unpack this situation, and as much as I like Josh McDaniels, I think it's very fair to question some of the things that went on. I do. You know, whether it's Garoppolo, like we're talking about, they signed Derek Cardo an extension, that didn't work the Josh Jacobs, wait, we're not going to give you a fifth year option, so now you didn't practice, you're not in shape, but now we're going to give you the fifth option, the fifth year option money to come back and play here. Right? There's that. They gave an extension to Darren Waller with big money and got, what, a few games out of him. They gave Hunter Renfro uh, an extension with big money. He can't even see the field or play at all. Right? The drafts haven't worked out like you explained. There's no quarterback. You missed
2: the two most important ones. They go out and make the big trade for Devontae Adams. I was getting there. Yes. Right. 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 Okay. And yes. they signed Chandler Jones. I was getting there, Jones too. Is gone now. Of course, right. Okay. Yes. Right.
3: I know. You know, Sorry. don't cut me off, right. counselor. I have a list. I wrote Sorry. it. I wrote it all down. But yes, Sorry. so so that's what I'm saying. You know, as much as I am a believer in let the Patriot way work, there's enough things on the checklist here where I can go, damn. I understand the owner making that decision. I don't think it's like, wow, it's that crazy, right? I didn't expect it to happen right now, but I think we've seen crazier is my point. And uh, I guess that's where, you know, it's a tough one. It really is. And I hate to see Josh McDaniels get fired. You know that. Uh, but but I guess I can see Mark Davis's side of the story a little bit is what I'm saying.
2: So now Antonio Pierce takes over as the interim head coach with Champ Kelly as the interim GM. They have nine games minimum. Maybe this time around, Mark Davis gives those guys better consideration than he gave to Rich Bisacci and Mike Mayock after the John Gruden thing went haywire two years ago. Here's Pierce from yesterday talking about bringing a new mindset to the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's never easy when you lose uh, a teammate, a coworker, uh, somebody that you're close with. Uh, we take that very seriously. Uh, there's lives and families that's affected by this, and we understand that. Um, but it's a new day. It's a new chapter. It's a new era. It's a new mindset. I told them when they walk in this door, I need to feel them. They're going to feel me 100%, but I got to feel them. I need that personality. This building needs personality. When we walk in here, everybody in here should be smiling. We all got a job. We're doing something. We're covering the greatest game in the world, the National Football League. And if you're not excited about that, there's something wrong with it. Was there a lack of excitement before? I mean, being that that's something that needed to be addressed, what was the atmosphere like before? Uh, I don't think that it was not addressed. It just you got to embrace it, and it's being embraced now.
2: Antonio Pearson, interesting choice to take over and have this opportunity. I'm yeah. looking at his coaching resume. Now, he played in the NFL for a long time with yes, Washington and the Giants. Right. He was a high school head coach at Long Beach Poly from 2014 through 2017. That was his first coaching experience. Arizona State with Herm Edwards as linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator. Right. 2018, 2019. 2020, he was at Arizona State as associate head coach, co defensive coordinator, linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator. And he was caught up in what brought Edwards down. Yeah, And I right. think he may have been the point person in this whole whatever it was that got them afoul of the NCAA bylaws. And his crash landing spot was with the Raiders in 22 as linebackers coach. So his NFL coaching experience is completely confined to being a member of Josh McDaniel's staff. So interesting choice by Mark Davis to make Antonio Pierce the interim head coach. When you consider he hasn't coached a lot, he hasn't coached in the NFL for very long at all. And there's this whole Arizona state thing floating around out there that he was involved in that helped bring down Herm Edwards. It really is. It's just one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah. Hey, yeah. Mark Davis, you're the owner, right? You can make whoever you want the interim head coach. At least it wasn't Jeff Saturday. Let's see what Antonio Pierce does.
3: Yeah, no, I, I mean, l- let's see, right? I mean, first off, Antonio Pierce, uh, you know, knowing him, play, I played against him a little bit. I mean, he's he's a real football guy. He really is. He loves it. He lives it. He thinks about it all the time. He played for Joe Gibbs and, and Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator with that Washington football team. Of course, played for Tom Coughlin and Steve well, Spagnuolo. And so we're going
2: to have bounties? Are we going to have bounties in, in well, Las Vegas now? Well, Greg you know, Williams. Greg Williams. I know. I get mentioning Joe Gibbs. I don't know about mentioning Greg Williams. Well,
3: Greg Williams was a damn good defensive coordinator. I'm not saying I I condone his activities as far as bounty gate, right, and all that. But let's be freaking serious. The whole league was doing bounty gate stuff, all it. right, as we know. So let's not just I like, you know, Well, shop-
2: No. The league was doing it wherever Greg Williams was. Well, we yeah, that. and
3: there, right, right. And there was a path. I agree. Right. I agree. It okay. was a cultural thing. Yeah, it was a I cultural agree. thing, Go right, right. So, because I was, right. I was on a team that kind of played the bounty gate game a little bit there. So, uh, it, it's just the the way it was a little. Um, but moving on, either way, he's got moving some along. pedigree there, yeah. you know. And <laughs> <Moving> and <along. laughs> I do think he embodies like the Raider way as far as in your face, I'm gonna say it how it is, we're gonna have energies, we're you know, an energy and a badassness about us, right? That didn't necessarily fit Josh McDaniels. He's not that guy. He's the New England guy. It's a little different, you know, way of attacking things there. Um yeah, so so I'm excited because I do think Antonio Pierce is a natural born leader. That's what I'm saying there. Now, what do I expect on the field? I don't expect a lot. It's a tough situation, as we know. In my heart of hearts, as much respect as I have for Antonio Pierce, in my heart of hearts, I think this is a move by Mark Davis to go, wait, we're in no man's land. Let's make a hire like this so we get into – high draft pick land okay and and, and do that because I don't want to win many games here now and now we, we need to do something drastic and get some blue chip star players on this football team and change it over and I think that's the problem with their team altogether so you know it's I, I don't want to say tank right soft tank whatever however you want to put it but I feel like that's part of this hire as well and I certainly don't say that to be disrespectful to Antonio Pierce who I have a lot of respect for
2: So wait a minute. On one hand, he's the right choice. To no, I'm not, not saying he's the right the choice. I'm hand, saying there's some things that enough. I like
3: about him and that he's that, you know, I respect about him. But yes, like you said, he has no he doesn't have a deep line of coaching pedigree and certainly not in the NFL, and it's an off the radar hire. He has leadership leadership skills and communication skills that I really do like. But yeah, if you're going to make me bet is this going to work and I think he's the right guy for the few I would say no. I don't think that's going to happen. Happen, but I see some positives there about it. I was just trying to give you that side of the story. I think in the in the yeah, and the truth of the matter is I think it was a move made by Mark Davis to go, wait, I don't want us to do that good. So we're not in no man's land and we can get a significant game changing type player in the draft. That would just be where my brain
2: takes me in, in that thought. I'm looking at the coaching staff yeah. beyond Antonio Pierce, and it's not like there's anybody. There's not any big time screamed, right out. Right. And, and that's the contrast with Jim Irsay last year when he fired Frank Reich when he shouldn't have and hired Jeff Saturday when he shouldn't have. He had guys like Gus Bradley. Right. He had John Fox. There was another former head coach on the staff, right? And I can't remember who it was now. Um, so there were there were options other than a guy that you would look at and say, why him? But, you know, it's funny. I didn't even – Focus much on Antonio Pierce yesterday because it was all what the hell is going on why did he fire Josh McDaniels and thinking about that side of it I've kind of drifted over to the Pierce side of it today again not a great option internally to take over the team that's a given but um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and if soft tank is the objective they are three and five they aren't horrible. That's it, what I it's mean. It's a loss standpoint, although they were horrible on Monday night. Yes. We'll see how they do going forward. Okay, so one of the key things going forward for the new interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, the quarterback position. He was asked for his thoughts on a position that consists of Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, and Aiden O'Connell as the options. Here's Pierce on that subject.
1: It'll be Aiden. Going for it. We just feel like this is the best chance. What was the reaction like in the locker room when you made that announcement? Very supportive. The influence Josh had on offense from now until Sunday to kind of get a plan together and what you guys want to do in accomplish. Yeah, I started this press conference by saying it. New day, new month, new chapter, new mindset. So whatever we did in the past, doesn't matter. You no, know, I wish I could say we're 0-0. We're not, but we're approaching it that way. Reproaches the way Bo went in there today. The offense. I spoke with those gentlemen. Um, they know exactly the task and the plan going forward, and what kind of offense we want to portray. And you know, you know, are you going to sit there and rip up the whole playbook? No, but you better go to your key guys. I'm not a fool. I'm a player. Remember, I was a player before I was a coach. Player ran business. And look, that's
2: one of the problems we've seen with the Raiders this year. You have a guy like Devontae Adams. Why isn't the scheme getting him the ball more often. And we've seen an effort in recent weeks to get him the ball more often. There's just been a disconnect between him and quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. So Garoppolo goes to the bench, Aiden O'Connell takes over. And that would cut against the idea that they're not trying. Because if you're not trying, you ride with Jimmy. Because the belief is Aiden O'Connell's the best quarterback they have right now. Based on what we saw Monday night, hard to argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is their best option.
3: No, I I think, you know, there there's there's that, right? I think, you know, they're probably looking at, it, looking at it too, going, yeah, we know Jimmy Garoppolo's played more, but they're probably going, he's playing like crap anyways. I mean, so what? Aiden O'Connell might miss Devonte Adams wide open, but at least Aiden O'Connell might, you know, might have a chance to be the future. He's got a little fire and toughness about him, right? I think that's the other thing that... You know, and, and how Antonio Pierce said it, they were happy. They were ecstatic about it when he said it. You know, what does Jimmy Garoppolo bring to the table, right? What is he? What is, he's not leading your football team. You don't see him ever get on anybody. You don't ever see any reaction or energy from him at all. Right. So for a team that's kind of like struggling and kind of instill some culture, they're going, wait, we're going to go with a guy who's willing to stand in there and, you know, mother F himself and he wants to do good and he wants to compete and he's still proving himself compared to a guy that looks like, ah, you know, yeah, I play quarterback and I got a big check and whatever else, but. You know, I'm not going to go above and beyond and work too hard here to be too good at it. I mean, that's that's kind of the optics of the situation with with that there. So I, I can understand them wanting to go that way. Uh, I can, but yeah, I still think it's you know to your to what we're talking about a little bit of a soft tank there uh, either way. And wait, Mike, well, the most the important prob- thing, the most important thing, and where I, I sorry I got sidetracked there is like a Mike Florio point of all time. Like, come on, counselor. They don't want him getting hurt. This is Jimmy Glass Garoppolo. Well,
2: and they, they can. Right, but you know what? Yeah. You know what? Go ahead. I, I went back last night. And they I, can get out of it? He had the initial contract. Yeah. Now, here, here, here's, what, here's, how, here's how it works. The initial contract that they agreed to before he failed the physical. Right. Had $11.25 million in injury-guaranteed salary for next year plus an $11.25 million fully guaranteed roster bonus for next year, okay? Yep. So, under the original contract, as it was negotiated, there's 11.25 million reasons to keep him from getting injured over the balance of the year. Yep. When they redid the contract, what they did was they made the base salary next year fully guaranteed. They made the uh, the roster bonus due next year non-guaranteed. So there's no longer a Anything. reason okay. to keep him healthy. Gotcha. There's, they, owe him, they owe him the salary. They were going to owe him $11.25 next year anyway under either of the two contracts. Now the way it works is the salary's guaranteed. They'll get offset, but no one's paying him $11.25 But they'll avoid the roster bonus simply by cutting him. And I asked somebody late last night, and I got the answer this morning. Cool, if yeah. he's injured, when the roster bonus is due – they can still cut him because it's not injury guaranteed. Gotcha. They can cut him okay. before the roster bonus comes due. So they'll avoid the $11.25 million, whether they keep him, or they get rid of him. But the broader question is this. Do you want him around? Like once you've decided he's not the guy, do you just go with O'Connell and Hoyer and tell Jimmy Garoppolo, see you later? We're just going to put you on waivers. No one's going to claim the contract. And then the question is, will somebody sign him as a free agent and the Raiders will get dollar for dollar credit? over what they're going to pay him anyway, if he's sitting there on the bench, they'll get some of that money back if he goes and plays somewhere else as a backup quarterback to finish out this year and next year. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question. I would expect no,
3: right? With Brian Hoyer being the only other option there and the way he looked playing, like that that's a complete disaster. I don't think you can even sell that to your team that you're trying to win football games competitively if you throw him back out there. I think they'll keep Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they'll keep him as the backup. Uh, I, you know, that's what I would imagine happening, and you know, we'll we'll see where this goes. This ain't going to be easy, right? You know, like you brought up too, like with the Devontae Adams thing. It's not like this this coaching staff that just got fired forgot how to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. You know, they 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 know how to give him the ball. It's just there's nothing else in the offense to get everybody off of Devontae Adams for the most part. And when they do get him open, Garoppolo hasn't been good enough to hit him or find him or do whatever there. So it's like a double whammy. You know, at least. Last year, they had the number one running attack in football, or the number one running back in football, and they could play the running the running game off of Devontae Adams and vice versa, and that worked. This year, there's just nothing, so that's where they're really in a tough spot. But yeah, I I, I don't th- if I was the Raiders, I wouldn't cut them and let them out of there. I would go, "Well, whoa, whoa, you're the guy that duped us and and kind of lied to us about your foot and now we've paid you a lot of money. You're not getting out of here. You're going to enjoy the struggle with the rest of us." That's what I would do if I were the Raiders.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's not like he's you know what? It's not like he's going to be a pain in the butt. Right. He's just going to kind of be there. there. He's a bump on a log, not yeah. a pain on the butt, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yes. That's what it'll be. I don't he'll think he's that there kind of guy. And that, he'll but, yeah. Happily cash the checks. He's not going to cause trouble. Fine, that's fine. I, he went through this in San Francisco yes. when he was basically excommunicated while still on the roster, and he was fine with it. He never He's not a guy that is into confrontation. He's never been that way. So he'll be fine. He won't be an issue, and maybe they'll need him to play a couple of games at the end of the season right, based right. upon how things go with the other guys on the roster. All right, uh, one of the strange issues coming out of – the NFL this past weekend. There have been multiple strange issues with the Falcons lately. We had that weird Bijan Robinson. He was ill and they didn't tell anybody. Yep. Then on Sunday in their loss to the Titans, Desmond Ritter leaves for a concussion evaluation. He's cleared, but they don't put him back in the game. Arthur Smith, the head coach of the team, said well, something seemed off, but it, and it wasn't performance related. So we didn't bench him for that reason. And it you know, opened the door for Ritter to get the start this weekend against the Vikings. Here's Arthur Smith yesterday explaining that the quarterback this week will indeed be Taylor Heineke. Have a listen.
4: So, you know, just for this week, you know, just with all the variables, you know, just kind of consider everything the last 72 hours and what we feel is good, best for this week. For us, uh, you know, against Minnesota, Taylor will play this week. Yeah, there's a lot of variables, you know, and then really just – like I said, considering the last 72 hours and just kind of where we're at right now going into this week in Minnesota, getting ready to play the Vikings, obviously a really good team coming in here, is going with Taylor. And that's why he's here right now and, uh, you know, obviously did a lot of, Des went through all those tests. He's clear, he would be available, but just right now in the short term, uh, it'll be Taylor this Sunday. But I guess, didn't you see or what did you not yeah, see? About private funding. conversations. And I understand, Mike. I mean, those are legitimate questions. I'm just, you know, keeping our internal decision making and, you know, private. So just
1: to be clear, so is this a, med- is this a medical decision that no, exists or is this a. Just what I
4: answered about the lot of variables. My answer is not going to change. And there's a lot of variables that go into it.
2: He was doing his best to keep his hands attached to something so he wouldn't have any tells as he was (laughs) saying this week, this week, this week, over and over again, this week, this week, this week, and all the variables were the factors. This is the softest benching that he could possibly do of Desmond Ritter. I think that's what this is. This isn't a benching, but it is a benching. But it's not a benching because we don't want to hurt this guy's confidence and we want to be able to go back to him whenever we would like to go back to him. Because the thing about Taylor Heineke, he will come in, hair on fire. That's right. And he will play with reckless abandon. And he will give the Falcons a great chance to win some games. And then that fire is going to go out at some point. And that's when you put Desmond Ritter back in. And you got to sell this hole one week at a time. This game, this week, all the variables, this week, this week. And that's what they're doing for now. And if they would win on Sunday, it's going to be a different story for their next game. That's right. And it'll be that game, that game, that game. So they're trying to not abandon Desmond Ritter, but also win football games this year. And it's a tough needle to thread, as evidenced by Arthur Smith's clumsy effort to thread it.
3: Yeah, no, you're you're, 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 you're right about that. I think it's the right decision, though, right? We've been talking about this for maybe three or four weeks, just about Desmond Ritter. You know, I like the kid. I, I understand what they like about him. There's some physical tools to like. You know, and I think they like the human himself, and think he can lead a football team and be their kind of quarterback. He's not there yet. That doesn't mean this is all over for Desmond Ritter. And uh, you know, like we talked about, like if this ruins him, then you know he ain't your quarterback in the future, right? You know, and they're going to be delicate with him. They understand it's still a young kid who's dealing with a lot, and there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders, and people talking crap about you on the nightly news and social media and whatever else there. Right. So, yeah, I think they do want to make sure that Desmond Ritter understands that, you know, he's still valued by the, this organization and by the coaching staff. But at the same time, I give them credit for making the move. Right. There's just things about the way Desmond Ritter has played that, you know, the, the game at moments has looked like he's a deer in the, the headlights a little like where you've heard me say in previous weeks. There's been some throws and decisions where you go. That's not. And you've heard me during in the viewing rooms on Sundays a few times you know, with other guys that played in the NFL and Jason Garrett who, you know, backed me up so it's not just me loudmouth, whatever, but like decisions where you go like, whoa, like that's a mistake you make as a freshman in college right there. You didn't see that that was cover two and you tried to throw a hitch route into it or whatever. So I think there was some things there that would make any coaching staff go, uh. now they're trying to give it a soft landing, like you're saying, but to me. This is setting up where they want Heineke to take over. They're going to be delicate with Ritter, but you know, you're making the switch this week against Minnesota. We'll see how it goes, right? They're playing better on defense. The next week is the Arizona Cardinals, right? Should be able to win that game. Should be able to win both games. And then you go into the bye week. That looks like you're setting it up for, hey, we want this guy to take over and give us a strong second half finish to this season because we think we're a playoff team with a little bit better quarterback play.
2: There's going to be a lot of Arthur Smith twisting himself in knots yes. though to keep this going. Yeah, This yeah. ruse isn't going to last for long if they start winning with Heineke because you can't say, if you're Desmond Ritter, at some point, it's like, don't put this idea on me that I got a concussion evaluation. And even though I was cleared, I've got some lingering issue that is one of the variables that keeps me from playing. I'm fine. I'm ready. Like, at some point, just call it what it is. Why are you treating me with kid gloves? I go back to your point, and we've made this in the past about other quarterbacks. Right. If you're going to crumble because you got benched, if you're going to shatter in the face of adversity, that comes up between the months of August and December. Good luck thriving in January, ever. I mean, that's the thing that wakes up the giant within a quarterback. Right. An indignity. You know, something that pushes a guy to the next level, that makes him pissed off. Not go roll up in a ball and say, woe is me and I'm going to have to go do something else with my life now. So... Yeah, you can't you can't tiptoe around the situation, and because this isn't you know if it was a different injury, they could say he'll play when he's 100 percent, and then he's just not 100 percent until Taylor Heineke is not you know playing well. Right. You can't really do the 100 percent thing when you're talking about somebody's neurological condition. It's not fair to the player. It stigmatizes him in a way that I think is not useful or helpful. And, and you just can't, I just think it's hard when the guy's being cleared. I think it's hard to keep this. Well, well, we're a little concerned. It's in his best interest to not play. They're going to, if they win the next two and they go into the bye week, right? That's when they need to come out and say, we're casting our lot. Exactly. Taylor Heineke. Until further notice. That's right. And he's no stranger to getting benched. Right. He's been benched before. Right. He doesn't care. He'll go play his ass off until it's time to go take a seat. That, that's right, Mike. And you said
3: it a few minutes ago. He's a guy that'll win some games and play with his hair on fire and do some things. But as we know, too, he'll lose some games, too, if we look at his history. And he'll do some crazy stuff and throw the ball to the other team right in their chest a bunch of times in a game, right? So that's where I said to Desmond Ritter, yeah, be ready, big guy. Don't let this get you down. You know, this is a common story in the NFL, even for the legends of the sport. Go back and look up Terry Bradshaw and how the start of his career worked. Hey, my own father, he got benched multiple times in his career. If Joe Montana can get benched after winning two Super Bowls, anybody can get freaking benched. John Elway got benched for Nick Maddox. I mean, we can go. Troy Aikman couldn't get on the field at first because of Steve. Tommy Maddox, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, Troy Aikman. Who the hell is Nick Maddox? I don't know. You know what? I think he was a great running back when I was coming out in high school. Uh, Actually, Uh, that was a top recruit. But either way, yeah, Troy Aikman couldn't get on the field because of Steve Walsh at first. So hang in there there this story's not over and Heineke's not that good to where you go oh he's definitely gonna solidify his job as a starter the whole year you know there might be a moment he's a smaller quarterback like you said he plays a dangerous game he could get hurt he could throw a few interceptions you need to come back in and be ready to go when that time comes Desmond Ritter so we'll see where this goes with these this Atlanta Falcons football team
2: and it was Steve Berline by the way that that kept Troy Aikman off the field. Steve Walsh was the guy that they used a supplemental first round draft pick on when they had Troy Aikman as the first overall pick. Right. And Jimmy Johnson had an issue Obviously, a so it was Berline, and then a little
3: a little Walsh too, though, right? Am am I getting my facts mixed up there? Berline
2: Berline was the starter in '89 at first. first. I don't know how much they played Walsh in '89. No, but then Aikman taking his lumps. The
3: year they went to the year they went to the playoffs, right? In '91, and they beat the Bears. I'm pretty sure, and they lost to the Lions. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that was Steve Walsh was the starting
2: quarterback in 91, right? Do you- I thought he was with the Saints by then. Steve Walsh was traded in 1990 to the Saints. Okay. So he would not have been the Good quarterback job. Way to go. in 91. However, yeah. however, okay. however, he did start five games in 89. Okay. Which is, that, that, I don't remember that. Maybe I was so caught up in the Herschel Walker trade aftermath that i didn't realize I he thought started a games but yeah. steve they had too many steves that year <laughs> in dallas so you were right i'm sorry you were wrong about nick maddox you were right about steve <laughs> thank Walsh. you thank you're you. batting 500 <laughs> which in baseball is great uh so congratulations for that and by the way nick maddox was a major league baseball player Uh, according to Pete. But I don't think this is the Nick and Maddox you were thinking of. No, I wasn't thinking Because he was a right-handed pitcher for the Pirates from (laughs) 1907 (laughs) through 1910. I had Greg Maddox (laughs) on my
3: mind, which I know is the Hall of Fame pitcher. I was like, it's one of these damn Maddox guys. I, I couldn't quite figure it out.
2: All right, here's Taylor Heineke from yesterday. Since he's the starter, he's the one that spoke to reporters regarding how Desmond Ritter responded to the fact that he won't be playing this week yeah it's tough it, it is you know there's no kind of beating around the bush there um again i've kind of went through, through this last year with carson um and then the, the difference between carson and, and desmond is carson has been in the lead for a long time um this is kind of new for des so um you know he's handled it very well um you know, he's, he's speaking up in meetings. Um, he's very engaged. He's helping me out any way I can. So, um, to see that from a young guy, um, that's really cool. Um, just speaks to his character and stuff. So, you know, again, we're, we're, we're still pushing each other. He's preparing like he's going to play. Um, but God forbid he might. Um, so, we'll see. Um, but Des has done a great job today to, you know, hearing the news and, and coming to work. Yeah, I mean, what else is he going to do? What else is he going to do? He's got to come to work, get to work, and... Keep focusing on his development. By the way, there were no Steve Berline starts in 1989. It was five from Walsh and 11 from Aikman. Okay. So, okay. bravo. Thank you. They did have a lot of Steves back then. They had Steve Pellor, Steve Berline. <laughs> right. There's a lot of Steves playing quarterback <laughs> for the Cowboys in the late 80s and early 90s. So, oh, well. Uh, no Steves playing quarterback for the Falcons. Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter on the bench. And and we'll see. And look. You're right about Heineke. I remember the Washington-Minnesota game last year when, you know, Heineke had them in position to win the game. But there were two or three throws that were like, what the hell was that? And it should have been intercepted. And I don't know whether the defender was just surprised that he threw it. But there's one of those near misses, multiple of those near misses every game from Taylor Heineke, and he seems to get lucky a lot. He does. Or his numbers would be a lot worse, right. and maybe he wouldn't keep getting these
3: chances. I know. You're right. He is one of those guys that I think a lot of times last year, I was like, he's got the, the biggest horseshoe up his butt that I've ever seen, right? I mean, he really does. He was leading the league, I think, in dropped interceptions last year. Uh, so, yeah, he's, 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 he's crazy. He's fun to watch. You know, he he is. That's why he's fun. He'll go three quarters and you'll go, damn, he stinks for three quarters. And all of a sudden they need two drives at the end of the game. And you go, who the hell is this guy? All of a sudden he's on target and making great decisions and making plays and they pull out the game. Right? So uh, that's that's where it'll be fun to watch. And uh, I, I give Arthur Smith and company, you know, credit here. I do. You know, again, do not double down and be so stubborn in the fact of like, hey, wait, we think Desmond Ritter's the guy, so we're going to just ride him no matter what here, and we're going to prove everybody wrong. All right? This is okay. This is this is okay to do this for the better of your football team, and really in the end, it might be for the better, better of, of, of Desmond Ritter and his career too. He gets a chance to step back. He's going to look at it from the sidelines. I've been in this situation before, and you sit there a little bit in these times, and you go – Why was I making it so complicated? Like, there's a curl, there's a flat route, just who, whatever way the defender goes, throw it to the other freaking guy. I mean, you know, as a quarterback, you can get in your own mind with more information and overthink and overanalyze, and maybe this can calm his brain down a
2: little bit as he sits and watches a little. And Pete reminded me that Taylor Heineke brought us the moment last year in that Washington Vikings game where the defensive back for the Vikings, was taken out by an official. Yeah, hit the referee, Set up right? a long touchdown pass. <laughs> <Right>. So, horseshoes <laughs> up the butt all over the place <laughs> for Heineke, but that last year was the year that the Vikings had the endless supply of horseshoes. They ended up winning that game, along with many others that they should have lost, but somehow found a way to win. And as to what you're saying with Ritter, I agree completely. I just really don't like this. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Almost right on cue. Down goes. And that's Cam Bynum got took out there by... Uh, by the official, and there's the touchdown, Curtis Samuel, and it felt like Washington was going to win that game. So, so uh, the uh, I just wish they would be a little more straight with. I us. hear you. I like Arthur Smith. I don't like the version of Arthur Arthur Smith that is a clunky, clumsy, not teller of the truth. Because it's obvious what's going on. Why not just say what's going on? I think that's better than standing up there and creating the impression for people like us that he's really not being straight with us. Why don't you just be straight with us? I think it would be better for everyone, including Desmond Ritter, if you just be straight with us. Treat him like an adult, not like a little kid. You're not trying to protect him from anything. Tell it like it is. Say what it is, and it's okay. To your point, if he's not going to react well to that and thrive, he's just not suited for this business. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I
3: and and I I don't know what the reasoning is. You know, the the only thing I can kind of come to a conclusion there on that and why you would kind of give that kind of soft waffling answer on there is just that maybe they're just going, "Hey, we we want Heineke to prove it, right? He's got to prove it. If he can play good the next two weeks, then I'll then I'll be then I'll then I'll have it and I'll, you know, he'll come out and say it." You know, but maybe he's trying to kind of light a fire under Heineke here so he knows, like, hey, this isn't yours, like, for the rest of the year guaranteed. You're going to have to play well and take care of the football and do the things, you know, do things the way we expect you to do them. So maybe there's a little bit of that gamesmanship, psychology, whatever, with Heineke as well. That would be the only thing, other thing I could think of there.
2: We are going to have a full preview of the Thursday night game that begins week nine, Titans at the Steelers later in the program. We're going to take a break, though. When we return... Aaron Rodgers' new team might have taken a page out of his old team's playbook. We'll tell you what that means when PFT Live continues right after this.
4: This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off
0: and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com.